Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, sports fans? My name is Jake Ignazuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short, and this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So, it's another week in sports, jam-packed with game after game after game after game. We have the NBA Finals, we have the NFL Week 4, and we also have the MLB Playoffs. I hope you guys are excited for this show as much as I am. I have a very special guest that I have coming on the show today. Her name is Kendra Middleton. And I'm going to have her come on right now, and we're going to talk some football. So I hope you guys are excited. So she's connecting right now. If you guys are watching from IG Live, I do really appreciate it. I'm going to be posting most of my radio shows and broadcasting them from IG Live. So if you have not yet followed Iggy's Sports Talk, go over to Instagram and also my Twitter as well. And go over to Iggy's Sports Talk. Well, so you talked about a little bit how, how you're not from New England. And... You, you've you've been you've been a lot of places, and it's it's fu- it's funny how when, when I first met you and we talked, uh, uh, I found out that you were a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that and how it's been coming to New England as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Uh, no. <laughs> when I first came to New England, so my kind of trajectory of a Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I mean, I, just, just looking at the Jaguars like throughout these past years, I, I mean, it was so cool to be able to see them in the AFC Championship and come so close to beating New England, especially against the Patriots, because that's when, like, during that game is is when I believe that that the dynasty was at one of its pinnacles. 
and how close they came. And just to be able to see like like what they were able to do in the draft when they were able to get Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack in one draft, and they got the steal in Miles Jack. And and so it's so cool how how you just um, focus focus on you know the positives. Obviously, with, with when you get that championship, it's just going to be bittersweet. So Kendra and I were talking about the issues that the Jags have been having over the course of these past few years and how it's been as a fan living in New England as a Jaguars fan. And Gardner Minshew has really surprised me so far this season. I, I, I was curious on your thoughts on his performance so far. I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, we're looking at a kid right now who got drafted in the sixth round. And it's not and it's not like when the Jaguars front office looked at this draft and saw Gardner Minshew on the board, they never expected this kid to be performing as well as he has been. And especially when he walked into Jacksonville after Nick Foles got injured with all the excitement that Nick Foles had, and he exceeded that excitement with the swagger coming in with his headband and everything. It must have been super exciting as a Jaguars fan. Right now, we shouldn't have a win under our belt, you know what I mean? 100%. 
Yeah, 100%. It, it's funny that you brought up Dabo because uh, I, w- I was watching ESPN this morning and his name came up with the Texans. And one, one of the main analysts brought up, well, he's so used to just focusing on the recruitment and the whole package of, of just like a football team. He's not good at focusing on offense and defense. And they sort of talked about how how nervous they were with how he would be able to acclimate to you know the systems in the NFL. And... I, I, I completely agree with what with what you're saying with with Doug Marone and also um, with the whole Gardner Minshew situation because it's really crazy to see, especially during the first week. I mean, they beat the Colts, and now we're seeing the Colts have the number one defense in the NFL, and they were able, Gardner went out there and threw like 350 yards. I think I think as a fan, you have the perfect mindset, kind of as, as like an open mind with just rolling with the punches and seeing how this season goes. Because like you said, they shouldn't have w- even one win, and it's really crazy to see just how not not how not only how efficient, but how many yards Gardner Minshew has been able to rack up during this season. I, I looked at it, and on average, he over fourteen games in twenty nineteen threw for two hundred and thirty three yards. And twenty twenty, so far in these first four games, he's thrown two hundred and eighty four yards. And with with what we've talked about, just with the quarterback situation, I think you made a great point when talking about Trevor Lawrence. I mean. From what everything that we've seen, from everything that we've heard from all the analysts, yes, he is a generational quarterback. But at the same time, as we saw at the start of this past season with Joe Burrow and many other top quarterback prospects, when you go to these awful teams, you have nothing around you. And Joe Burrow and it was in a different situation. I mean, he had Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and A.J. Brown. 
but or AJ Green, excuse me. But mo- mo- most of these teams, like let's say if Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jaguars, what does he have? You know. It's really unfortunate to see sort of how the Jaguars franchise has been managed over these past few years. And especially when Tom Coughlin went in there, I, I was I was so excited. I was like, finally, they got somebody. So what did, what did you think about Tom Coughlin? Because just from hearing your reaction, you seem pretty excited as well. I know that. First head coach for the Jags, um, and Tom Coughlin came back to the city of Jacksonville because he loved it so much. The city loved him. He spends, you know, his his time away down in Ponte Vedra Beach, so he was kind of, you know, a Jacksonville guy. And when you have, I, I was excited at first to get him back here. You know, he's the Patriot killer, um, and <laughs> good on paper and all that kind of stuff. But when you get back to Jacksonville and you're in today's climate of um, more progressive players, athletes, um, just fans in general, you can't come down there and be screaming at your coaches to not wear sunglasses during the game, and, you know, you have to shave your head like this, and you got to be XYZ, you know, traditional football player. That doesn't work in today's um, pro sports industry, right. NFL, whatever. You know, people are trying to make the NFL more like the NBA, you know, be your personality, like, say what you want to say, mm-hmm. and when you have such a dictator of a coach, you know, who's used to this old idea of football and old idea of operation, I, I don't think that that's going to be your best bet right now as far as trying to turn over an already kind of toxic locker room situation. I think that it just it wasn't the right time for Jacksonville and Tom Coughlin to reunite, and if they were going to do it, they should have done it sooner. And it's crazy as well with Jacksonville, too. All the players that seem to come out with displeasure of the, of the franchise, displeasure of the general manager. You know, we saw the defensive end. I'm blanking on on his name right now. Yep, and he, he, he just left and right, it seemed like, all throughout the offseason, was just tweeting at the general manager. They had Twitter war. Like, that is, that is so unprofessional and looks so bad for your franchise. And my, my point is, is... It just seems like there's been a lot of mismanagement with the general manager, you know, with the front office and just the whole direction 
of the franchise. And it, and it just purely shows in just the displeasure that the players have had with how the team has been operated. Yeah, 110%. And I think that if you want people to go out on your field on Sundays and perform for you and play for you and wear your logo, then you need to be more than just a GM or an owner or what have you. Gotta, you got to build that family atmosphere. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, like, Bill's militarized system works for him because they have the winning culture up here already established, but when you don't, you've got to put your people first. Your people have got to want to work for you. I completely agree with you. Something that came to mind uh, right in the middle of our conversation on, on sort of what the Jaguars should do is to, to, to fix this thing because, you know, obviously it's not going to be a, a one a one draft pick fix. You know, it's, it's going to take multiple years. And, uh, and unfortunately, Jaguars fans don't want to hear that because they've been waiting 15, 20, 25 years ever since the franchise was even instated to have a winning season. But I honestly think that they need to have the Derek Jeter Marlins approach. Not blow it up, but, es- but essentially just have like a common goal over a three to four year period of focusing on development, focusing on building the culture, focusing on just the winning, just building a winning atmosphere, kind of like what you talked about that that Bill has up in New England. But I I think that there needs to be some confidence within the team, and and just just a whole culture shock because we saw we saw what the Marlins were able to do, and it was funny when it when you know the whole philosophy came out of what Derek G was trying to do. Everybody. Everybody made fun of him. Everybody made uh, th- thought that it was going to absolutely fail and that there was going to be the same sort of issues that there was in Miami. But now you're seeing that they're in the ALDS, so something's got to be working. Yeah, I think the culture is definitely what needs to change. People want to be here. I completely agree with you. It's especially just in in the sense of it changing the culture. You know, you know, mainly obviously just setting a precedent in the NFL because it's honestly very sad on how many African American coaches, general managers work in the NFL. And I, I have an opinion on on, on what the NF, the whole rule with you know uh, they would get fined and if they didn't if they didn't interview. I I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. I I I, th- I think obviously just a coach should be hired for his skill and is fit for the for the position. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of stuff that they could change in Jacksonville. I think that that's a step they could make. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with everything that's going on, there's going to be One hundred percent seems like it, and and one last thing that I want to ask you about, just just in terms of of the Jaguars subject, is what was your thoughts of the Nick Foles contract? It's it seemed like very erratic. It was 
it, it, it just seemed like a cry for help. You know, they saw an issue, so they threw money at it and hoped and prayed that it would save the franchise, which obviously we're seeing he played three games and now he's overstarting in Chicago. But what was it like as a fan getting excited and especially with that, the amount of money that Nick Foles got and then just seeing him get replaced by Gardner and then ultimately just get dumped out of Jacksonville? Yeah, I bet. I, I, when I saw the report, I, I, I looked at it just as you said. You know, Jacksonville needed a quarterback, and they got one. And it, it was something where, especially during the AFC Championship, Blake Bortles, I think, was the biggest Achilles heel for that Jaguars, um, for the Jaguars during that game. I mean, obviously in the first half, he, he showed up. But in the second half, it just really showed that that the offense had like a concrete plan for Blake Bortles that he was going to hand it off to Leonard Fournette and then do a play action and then do it then do it every other and obviously the Patriots defense is going to figure that out at some point. Mhm. I completely agree with you. It was, it was funny. If, if, if we were on IG Live right now or, or if you saw my face, I was just hysterically laughing uh, when, when you said uh, Blake Bortles was good enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, well, it's good enough. I, I, guess, I guess that's all we're going to get. But uh, going on to the Jaguars game that we saw in week four, you know, Gardner Minshew did the same exact thing like we've talked about all throughout this broadcast through 27 for 40. 351 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. But then on the other side of the football, Joe Burrow recorded his first win of his career. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on how you think he's performed so far this season because I've been very impressed. I mean, obviously, he's the number one pick. Everybody expected him to show up because of his Heisman. But nobody really expects a rookie quarterback in the system that he's in for 300 yards 
you know, three or four times in four games. Mm-hmm. I've never, I don't know if I've ever, I mean, obviously there's, in, in pro sports, there's a lot of that winner type of mentality, but I don't like, Joe Burrow hates to lose, and he's not used to it, you know, he's always been the number one guy on a championship caliber team, you know, from high school on, and I think that he just hates losing more than he loves winning to the point where he just has the ultimate clutch gene about it, and it's really impressive to me, and, um, yeah, I, I love, I mean, I'm an SEC girl, you know that, so I, I love Joe Burrow, and I, I really hope the Bengals can turn it around, because, you know, like, as a Jaguars fan, I really sympathize for franchises and fans and cities that are in similar boats to me, um, and so I, I, I want the kid to do well, I love I love a good underdog story, especially, you know, like, these poor, poor first, first round quarterbacks that always go to crap teams, mm-hmm. you know, you feel bad for it, so the fact that Joe Burrow is, you know, kind of kicking ass and taking names, and I completely agree with you. You know, the Bengals, they've always been that mediocre team. Never was able to win a uh, playoff game. Hopefully, Joe is going to be that guy who is able to do that. And he sure, like you said, has really showed up. And it's fu- it's funny how you brought up, you know, you like to root for the underdogs, especially uh, your team being one of the underdogs. Uh, actually, I used to be a huge Browns fan. Right before all the hype happened, like like once OBJ came and everybody was like, they're going to the Super Bowl, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like that's when I like kind of checked out. I was like, you know, I liked it when I was like the only person who thought the Browns were going to be good. And, you know, finally this past week, it, finally this past week, what, what I was, what I've been bragging about to my friends for the last three or four years finally worked out. But it was funny. I was, I was the kid who, when Deshaun Kaiser got drafted, I looked one, I looked at one video. I'm like, Yep, the analytics guys got it right. the the brown The Browns are going. I thought they were going to go eight and eight. Obviously, they went zero and sixteen, and that did not work out. But it was kind of crazy this past week what Baker Mayfield and the Browns' offense was really able to do. Yeah, I love I love the Browns. I they're definitely like I said, like all these really crappy bottom. bottom mm-hmm. I love how that's just been the tagline ever since uh, Steve, Stephen A. brought it up. I, I think that's so funny. Yep, I think it's great, and I, I'm really excited for the city of Cleveland. Um, I have a girlfriend Without the preseason 
again and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and I think that that's probably why we've seen some of the injuries and whatnot that we have. But I think I think that this will definitely be a season to remember um, for good and bad, but definitely because of Cleveland. I think that that's one of the things that we'll remember when we look back at, you know, the 2020 COVID season. I completely agree with you. I mean, Cleveland, I thought, was was going to be obviously a surprising team last year. None of that worked out, and it really hurt me in on my fantasy roster. So I, I was one of those people that was like, yeah, Baker's going to do unreal. So I picked Baker over um, <clears throat> Pat Mahomes and, uh, you know, went 0-6 uh, to start the season. But luckily got to trade him. But when you really look at what the Browns were able to do, at the start of this game, you know, ESPN sort of broke down the stats. It was kind of crazy. In the first half, they had 24 first downs, 333 yards, and 31 points in one half. Yeah. What's wrong with the Cowboys' defense? <laughs> uh, what's wrong with the Cowboys? True. Great point. Um, Oh, boy, is he going to be squirming during this offseason trying to figure out if he's going to pay Dak $40 million or if he's going to actually spend any cent on the defense because it seems like he's just putting all of his money and all of his chips on the offense right now. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, when you see last game, Dak had to throw 500 yards, and they still lost the game. Yeah. Perfect. Any other team, honestly, um, if if Dan Snyder and is, is still a part of the Washington football team and uh, Ron Rivera is not calling the shots, he would spend every cent that he could to get his rep up in Washington and be able to get the football team, which who knows what they're going to be called next year, but obviously they're looking to have an exciting franchise player to really showcase the new name. But I think that's the only team that could honestly... Oh, wait. So I, I completely forgot. Remember the Alex Smith contract? Shoot. They got, they got like, oh, my God. The amount that they could have spent on Dak Prescott is on the Alex Smith contract. So I, I get one. I, I hope he comes back and has, has a start. I hope so. I think, I think it's looking like that. Did you watch that documentary? Yeah, oh, yeah. 
I hope you weren't eating while you were watching it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I decided to have dinner during it. That did not work out too well. I think I think that I was probably snacking on some like Joe's olive oil popcorn. Yeah, I. Oh my gosh, it was very graphic, and obviously they had the whole warning at the start of the at the start of the documentary. I ignored that. I'm like. Oh, geez. Yeah, seriously. But, I mean, what an incredible story. Like you said, I, I mean, he came so close to passing away, which which is just so incredible to me how he's been able to come all the way back with the titanium leg. And his family is still very confident in him still playing in the NFL. Well, yeah, it's like it's not even the fact that the dude damn near died. It's like it's about to be a freaking NFL starter in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what's crazy to me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what happens uh, with the football team this year. By the, by the way, have you have you have you had a tough time? Like the anytime I think about the Redskins or the football team, whatever, um, I always have to think about it and be like, shoot, it's the football team. I can't see the Redskins anymore. Um, <laughs> I think that no, honestly, I think I have a harder time with the San Diego Chargers and the LA Chargers. Yeah. Well, it's like any time I talk about the Redskins on this show, or jeez, you, you see, see, just happened again. And it's funny, I, I, I have a friend who, who is a Washington football team uh, fan, and I always go, hey, it's the football team fan. And he always gets so upset, he's like, no, it's the Redskins. For uh, for the Redskins, yeah, or Washington football team, I I like Dwayne Haskins on it. Like I mean, he's doing okay. It's it's just they got nothing around him, and the Redskins are are an interesting situation. I mean, obviously they're going through a culture change, and it's not ideal when they're going through a culture change when the leader of the culture change has cancer, and you're having an internal investigation with your owner who could might not be the owner next year. And there's just so many question marks with the football team that I, I, I don't see I don't see them going towards a quarterback in the draft solely. Um, I, I, I just think it's going to be very embarrassing for them to get two quarterbacks in three years. And especially with how it's from what I've seen with Dwayne's attitude, uh, I, I, I think I, I, I don't really see it motivating him. I see it more um, just having him not try and not and just do anything he can to get traded away from the team if they do get another quarterback. Yeah, I guess we'll see how, how this shakes out. It's definitely going to be kind of... I think that this offseason is going to be one of the craziest that I have seen in quite some time. I mean, this last NFL season was was the craziest I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, for sure. Saddest one, too. It's been wild. I mean, 2020 has been the most entertaining year that I can remember in my 24 years of life. Yeah, I, I, I got to completely agree with you. But, like, the one thing that I liked about this offseason, and especially, like, going into this NFL season, that made me really excited is that it was the first year when I was watching football that every single team had a quality quarterback. 
You know, you know how there's usually that one team where you're like, yep, they're going to get a quarterback in the draft, and that's going to that's going to fix their franchise. I mean, you could say that about like we talked about with the Jaguars, but I mean, they had Gardner, you know. So one place that I, I came up with, um, I was actually like walking a class, and I'm like, I'm like you know, this this could fix the Chicago Bears. I'm like, where did that come from? But uh, I think that the Chicago Bears are going to be a team that is either going to get a guy like Justin Fields, one of these guys in the draft, because Nick Foles has two more seasons after this. They have to pay him the money. Mitchell Trubisky is not returning to Chicago because he's going to be a free agent after this season. And I can honestly see them going the whole Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes route you know, use Foles for the first year, groom the quarterback, and then just flip it. I think that, you know, speaking of teams that could just be that one player away from kind of having a little bit of turnover in their like, season success, definitely a team like Chicago. I think a quarterback, they had, I honestly think that if you put a top 10 quarterback in that system, they'd probably be 3-1 right now. Mm-hmm. I think so. Especially with that defense and all the money that they spent on that defense, it's crazy. Exactly, it's very, it's a very similar situation to me with the Jaguars and Blake Bortles a couple years ago. You know, we had that, you know, number one defense that was just out, like outrageous, and the only thing that we couldn't get right was Blake Bortles. You know. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, but. The only way that the Bears are going to do anything right in their quarterback situation is that they need to get rid of Ryan Pace. He's the issue. I like Mag. I like Nagy. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Well, I don't know. Also, is it, wait, when does Matt Stafford's contract end? Is it the end of this year? It's the end of this year, end of next year. I don't want to percent know. Yeah, I, I think it might be the end of this year. So I could see, see the Lions too. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. You know, because the reason why I brought up Ryan Pace is I don't know if you saw there's this article that came out on Bleacher Report this past week, and it was about the inside of Mitchell Trubisky's getting drafted. And I guess uh, Ryan Pace told the entire front office few hours before the draft that he was going with Mitchell Trubisky, and all throughout the pre-draft process, you know, the researching and everything like that, everybody had. Jamal Adams, number one, Deshaun Watson, number two, Matt Patrick Mahomes, number three, and Trubisky was down at four. And I guess because Pace missed out on Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and all the other good quarterbacks that came out before that uh, Deshaun Watson draft, he felt very anxious and like he had to make, like he had to press the panic button and make a move before he got fired. So he got very erratic with it and was like, Mitch is my man. And I'm going to, I'm going to put my job and my reputation on the line because he's going to fix this situation. And obviously it didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, that stuff happens. It really does. You know, people, people in places of power sometimes can't make the right decision and everyone's only human. So 
you know, if he's, if, if you put someone in charge of your team and you trust them and they make a decision that doesn't work out, that's, you put that person there, you have them making those decisions and that just happened to be one of those situations where that happened. And it's, it's, it's hard for me to think about the fact that one decision like that, which, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't think that I would have made that decision if I were in that spot, but that really does define someone's entire career despite everything else that they could have done. That's just that's just how it is in this industry and this league, whatever. But um, I think that that's, you're right, like those, those are the career-defining moments which sometimes people can brush over everything else you've done over one thing and it's just, it's crazy to think about when you go back and look at everything that's happened. Well, I mean, just looking at sort of what the Bears did to get Trubisky, and it, it's something that everybody's just going to put on on, on Pace's uh, or anytime they think about Ryan Pace, this is what they're going to think about, that he traded away four draft picks to go up one pick. Crazy. Which is insanity. Crazy. Insanity. The 49ers literally just got a steal. Yep, 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 yep. I wholeheartedly agree. And, but I like the, like the point that you brought up with uh, with the Lions and Matt Patricia. They're another team that, that like is a major underdog. Major underdog. And always seems to have issues with losing injuries, something very similar to what we were talking about with the Jaguars and other underdog teams like that. And especially after that first week loss, I'm su- I'm surprised that Patricia still has a job. Me too, man. But there's so many people I'm looking at like that. I was surprised that the Texans coach made it as long as he did. I'm surprised Patricia um, gave some surprise. Yep. Still had the job. Marone, I'm surprised still has a job. I don't know how more franchises have not been. <laughs> Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's another one. Oh yeah. Lastly, I just want to ask you on your thoughts about the whole Bill O'Brien. Uh, firing you you just brought his name up and, it, and it's kind of crazy for a team who has the highest salary in the nfl is owned for i think that he's definitely the issue there i mean look at all the talent that they have you know what i mean if if teams like the patriots are figuring it out right now don't get me wrong i know they have bills they have that system figured out but look at all the freaking talent that they have in the division that they're in are you kidding me mm-hmm. Yep. What? Just, you, look at, you look at the AFC South and you're like, all right, what the hell? You know, teams could win five games and freaking get go to the playoffs in this division. So, um, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. I think that they'd be better with, uh, like, anything at head coach there. Like, anything. Well, you, you actually hit, hit the... I gotta say this analogy right. I always get it wrong. You hit you hit the hammer on the nail. I always say it opposite for some reason. But uh, I guess it came out that two weeks ago he essentially like lost the team. He lost the locker room Be- because I guess he got into like an alter altercation, like a heated exchange during practice, which just blew everything up. Too many, too many mouths to feed, too many people to please, and at that point, what's done is done, and I'm moving on. 
I completely agree with you, Kendra. Well, I really appreciate all the time you took to talk about not only yourself, but about the NFL week four. For everybody that is listening, go over to Instagram, follow Kendra. It's Kendra Middleton. And also tune in to Dirty Water. They're actually going to be in Merrimack tomorrow. So tune into that and keep up to everything that she's doing. Absolutely. I'll talk to you later. Have a great time. See ya. See ya. So that was Kendra Middleton. I hope you guys did enjoy all of her insight into sort of her experience as a Jaguars fan, especially living in New England. I mean, I don't know if I could be able to do that, but we had a great conversation right there talking about some underdogs in the NFL and sort of breaking down what happened in week four of the NFL season. And so now I wanted to talk about the NBA Finals. So it's the Lakers and the Heat. The Lakers are leading the series 2-1 to one at the moment. And really, after that second game, everybody was putting all their money on the Lakers. All their money. It was crazy. I mean, Bam went down. We saw Butler went down as well. And after just... Those few injuries, I mean, obviously they're not few, I'm talking about the amount number, but the impact of the injuries really spoke to what the Heat had up against them. Everybody was thinking that the Lakers were just going to sweep easy peasy, and then Jimmy Butler showed up. Jimmy Butler came out on the court shooting buckets. Boy, did he. He scored 40 points and was able to help the Heat win over the Lakers in Game 3. And it was interesting to see as well. It's not like LeBron and AD didn't do anything. They both combined for 40 points. And so that really just shows you how much the rest of the team really needs to step up if they even want to get close to winning. And we really saw that the rest of the team surround, around excuse me, AD and LeBron really didn't show up. They really did not do anything to help on either side of the basketball or either side, of the, either side of the court, excuse me. And right as I was talking to Kendra, a notification came through saying that Bam is back. So this could make a very interesting game tonight for the Lakers in the heat. And especially when Bam's on the court, it makes it very difficult for the Lakers to not only be able to get to be able to get to the basket, but also to be able to cover the entire offense of the Heat. And Bam is usually one of the guys that is always under the basket, able to get those rebounds for the Heat. So I could honestly see this series being 2-2 tomorrow morning, if I'm being completely honest with you. And, you know, it's all really going to come out, come down to how the rest of this Lakers team really helps out LeBron and Anthony Davis being able to not only stop this Heat offense, but being able to score enough points to be able to withhold what the Heat score. So that is my insight on the NBA Finals. And now let's get into what has been going on in the MLB. So with all these other sports going on, I bet you even completely forgot that the MLB was even still happening. And it's crazy because of the playoffs. And most of the time, when a sport has playoffs, everybody's super excited. There's you know, screaming. There's all this TV promotion. 
Nope, not for the NBA, not for the MLB. I haven't seen really anything talking about the MLB on ESPN, which I find very interesting. But you know, it kind of just shows the priority that the sports, the sports industry really has of the sport of baseball. And since the excitement level of baseball has really kind of been toned down, you know, people have always talked about that baseball is boring. But now that social media is coming intact, and we have a lot more faster world or a lot more fast world, excuse me, baseball is not really popular that much in just the mainstream. And so as a baseball fan, that's great for me because I'm, I'm excited for the playoffs, but it's just I just thought it was very interesting that since everything is going on with the NFL and the NBA, that's all ESPN and the major, uh, major stage, stations, excuse me, and, and news providers are really talking about. But there was some exciting things that did come out of the MLB playoffs. So let's go down the line of what happened in the wildcard series. So first of all, we got the number one team in the National League in the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were up against the number eight team in the National League in the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Dodgers swept easy peasy through the Milwaukee Brewers. And we really saw Clayton Kershaw show up because it's interesting to see now that the Astros aren't cheating, that Clinton Kershaw showed up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start this whole debate because I know that everybody in the comments and everybody listening to this podcast is going to be like, ah, see, the Astros ruined everything. You know, the sign's still... Uh, well, you know, we're not going to talk about that on this show. But Kershaw was able to throw a shutout and only allow four hits throughout the game. And then when we go on to the second game of the NL wildcard It's the number two team in the playoffs in the Atlanta Braves versus the Cincinnati Reds. The Braves were really able to steamroll the Reds and win this series 2-0. Very easy, it seemed like. And the offense for the Reds really wasn't able to get anything going whatsoever. And it's very interesting to see that, especially from how much money they spent on that offense throughout this past offseason with the Mike Moustakis signing. Also with the Nick Castellanos signing as well. And it's going to be interesting to see what now happens with the Reds this next offseason with them losing Trevor Bauer at the start of their rotation. Potentially, he could just sign back with them, but most likely will sign with another team and get a big contract. Next, we're going on to the Cubs versus the Marlins. The Cubs are the top three team in the playoffs and the Marlins are the top six. And this series was very surprising. The Marlins went out and surprised every single fan in the MLB. And you could even maybe even see the sports world as well because nobody thought that the Marlins were really going to do too, too much. But we saw the Marlins be able to get a two-game sweep against the Chicago Cubs. And the Cubs going into this playoffs had a lot of hype. And it's crazy to think now that Theo Epstein is a free agent that the Cubs once again, get kicked out of the first round of the MLB playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Chicago during this offseason, if anything will blow up, because it really hasn't seemed like anything has happened well for the Cubs since that 2017 World Series win. Now we're going on to the Padres versus the Cardinals. And the Padres were able to force a Game 3 and come all the way back against the Cardinals to win this series, 
even though that they did not have Clevenger or Lamette, who are both of their top, top guys in the rotation. And that's very impressive, if i got to be honest with you. It really shows you know, the pitching depth that the Padres do have in their organization, and especially the amount of quality pieces that they have in their offense. Because we were able to see guys like Tatis Jr., Eric Hosmer, and a lot of the other young guys really step up for the Padres. Next, I want to go to the American League. So we got the Rays versus the Blue Jays. And looking at that series, the Rays pitching really overpowered the Blue Jays because we weren't really able to see their offense do anything, anything whatsoever. And so now looking at the series with the Athletics and the White Sox, it's something very similar. The White Sox were just outpitched by the Athletics. And we were really able to see how close those games were and how it really came down to the wire for the series versus the Athletics and the White Sox because the Athletics were able to force a Game 3 and ultimately win that series. And now we are going to be looking at the Twins and the Astros. And the Astros were able to sweep this series. And it really looked like that the Twins were not really performing how most people expected them to. You know, they had a really good offense not only in 2019, but in 2020 as well. And maybe it was just their pitching wasn't able to go up to par with what the Astros were putting out there on the mound, but it just really looked like the Twins were off a little bit. Next, we're going to the Cleveland Indians versus the New York Yankees, and the Yankees were able to take care of the Indians easy peasy. We really saw it, especially in the first game, against Shane Bieber, who ultimately will become in my opinion, the AL Cy Young. And he's a guy who had a below 150 ERA throughout the entire season. So it was really crazy to see he let up seven runs and ultimately let up 12, The excuse me, the Indians pitching staff ultimately let up 11 runs to the Indian, to the Yankees in that first game. So, now we are on to the ALDS, and it's going to be a really interesting one. We already saw the Yankees and the Rays have their first game last night, and boy, were the bats swaying. The Yankees were able to get two home runs from Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and honestly, this Yankees team is surprising me very much in these playoffs. I thought that their pitching staff was going to be a little bit of an issue since it doesn't have the depth that most of these teams have that they're going up against, and especially with a lot of the injuries that they've been dealing with throughout the season in their pitching staff, I really thought it was going to be an issue, but we were able to see them beat the Rays with ease. And then when you look at the Astros versus the Athletics, that game was crazy. The Astros and the Athletics combined for six home runs. It was almost like a home run derby. It was kind of crazy. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the Athletics are going to be able to come back in this series now that they're down one nothing to the Astros since the Astros were able to win that game last night 10-5. to So that is it for my MLB rundown of what has happened so far in the playoffs. But let's go through these advertisements real fast for 91.7 WPCR Plymouth. And so, Peregrine Mountain Tattoo. This show is brought to you by 
Peregrine Mountain Tattoo. Come on in to get those tattoos you've been thinking about. The owner, Ryan, has over 10 years of experience as a tattoo artist and is an extensive portfolio of amazing work that proves he can create a portfolio of a uh, create a perfect tattoo every single time and is located on 135 Main Street in Plymouth and they're open from noon to 7 Tuesdays through Saturdays. Give them a call at 603-238-9061 to schedule your appointment. So, next we are going to be having a campus quickie don't gain the freshman 15 hit up the fitness center provided by the university and put down the pizza pick up your favorite uh leotard and matching color headbands and head down to the hub let's get started let's get physical with ourselves tonight so that is it right there for the advertisements for this show and right there is also the end of iggy sports talk this afternoon so I really hope everybody did enjoy this broadcast of Iggy Sports Talk. I want to thank Kendra Middleton so much for coming on to the show today. I want to apologize to everybody who listened to the first few minutes of the show for the technical difficulties. It was an interesting show, but I tried to roll with the punches, especially since the internet at my university right now, is, which, which is where I record, does not have internet and so unfortunately when i tried to do the instagram live it didn't work so i apologize if there was any issues with the audio with the video anything like that but i hope ultimately everybody who's listening right now did enjoy the show that is it for me today my name is jake nazuski i hope you guys did enjoy the show i will see you next week and i hope everybody has a great rest of their week bye-bye Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save